With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Section 23 of The House of the White Shadows. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The House of the White Shadows by B. L. Fargen. Section 23. Book 4, Chapters 13 and 14. Chapter 13. Shadows. Christian Almer stood at the door, gazing at the retreating figure of the advocate. It passed through the clear light of the lamps, became blurred, was merged in the darkness. The corridor was long, and before the advocate reached the end he was a shadow among shadows. In Almer's excited mood, the slightest impressions became the medium for distorted reflection. The dim form of the advocate was pregnant with meaning, and when it was finally lost to sight, Almer's eyes followed an invisible figure moving, not through space, but through events in which he and his friend and Adelaide were the principal actors. A wild world of images crowded to his mind, presenting in the midst of their confusion defined and distinct pictures, the leading features of which were the consequences arising from the double betrayal of love and friendship. Violent struggles, deadly embraces, in houses, in forests, on the brinks of precipices, in the torrents of furious rivers. The proportions of these images were vast, titanic. The forests were interminable, the trees rose to an immense height, the rivers resembled raging seas, the presentments of animated life were of unnatural magnitude. Even when he and Adelaide were flying through a trackless wood and were overtaken by the advocate, this impression of gigantic growth prevailed, as though there were room in the world for naught but themselves and the passions by which they were swayed. He was recalled to himself by a soft tapping at the door of the inner room. He instantly unlocked it and released Adelaide who raised her eyes, beaming with animation, to his. He was overcome with astonishment. He thought to see her pale, frightened, trembling. Never had he beheld her more radiant. "'He is gone,' she said in a gay tone. "'Hush,' whispered Almer. 
he may return. He will not, she said. You will see him no more tonight. Thank heaven the danger is averted. I feel as if I had been guilty of some horrible crime. Whereas you have simply indulged poor innocent me in a harmless fancy. Christian, I heard every word. I thought you would have fallen asleep. How could you have been so imprudent, so reckless, as to laugh? How can I help being a woman of impulse? Were you very much frightened? I was not. I rather enjoyed it. Christian, there is not a single thing my immaculate husband does which does not convince me he has no heart. Just think what might have happened if he had come to the right door and thrown it open and seen me. There, you look so horrified that I feel I have said something wrong again. Christian, what did you mean by saying to him, My thoughts are not under my control while you have your hand on that letter. What letter was it? Your note, which Dionetta left in the room. He was sitting by the desk upon which I had laid it, and his hand was upon it. And it made you nervous? To think that he had but to open that innocent bit of paper. What a scene there would have been. I should have gloried in the situation, yes, indeed. There is no pleasure in life like the excitement of danger. Those who say women are weak know nothing of us. We are braver than men, a thousand, thousand times braver. I tried to peep through the door, but there wasn't a single friendly crevice. What a shock it would have given him if I had suddenly called out as he held the letter, Open it, my love, open it, and read it. That is what you call being prudent? asked Almer in despair. Tyrant! I cannot promise you not to think. I have a good mind to be angry with you. You are positively ungrateful. You shut me up in a room all by myself, where I quietly remain, the very soul of discretion. You did not so much as hear me breathe, only forgetting myself once, when my feelings overcame me, and you don't give me one word of praise. Tell me instantly, sir, that I am a brave little woman. You are the personification of rashness. How ungrateful! Did you think of me, Christian, while I was locked up there? My thoughts did not wander from you for a moment. If you had only given me a handful of these rose leaves so that I might have buried my face in them, and imagined I was not tied to a man who loves another woman than his wife. You seem amazed. Do you forget already what has passed between you? If it had happened that I loved him, after his confession tonight, I should hate him. But it is indifferent to me upon whom he has set his affections. With all my heart, I pity the unfortunate creature he loves. She need not fear me. I shall not harm her. You got at the heart of his secret when you asked him if a woman was involved in it, and you compelled him to confess that his honor, and of course hers, 
mine does not matter, was at stake in his miserable love affair. He loves a woman who is not his wife. With all his evasions he could not help admitting it. And this is the man who holds his head so high above all other men, the man who is never known to commit an indiscretion. Of course he must keep his secret close. Of course he could not speak of it to his friend, whom he tries to hoodwink with professional and twisted words. He married me, I suppose, to satisfy his vanity. He wanted the world to see that old as he was, grave as he was, no woman could resist him. And I allowed myself to be persuaded by worldly friends. Is it not a proof of my never having loved him, that instead of hating him when in my hearing he confesses he loves another, I simply laugh at him and despise him? I should not shed a tear over him if he died tonight. He has insulted me, and what woman ever forgets or forgives an insult? But he has done me a good service, too, and I thank him. How sleepy I am! Good night. My minute is up, and I cannot stay longer. I must think of my complexion. Good night, Christian. That is all I came to say. Chapter 14 THE ADVOCATE FEARS HE HAS CREATED A MONSTER The advocate did not immediately return to his study. Darkness was more congenial to his mood, and he spent a few minutes in the gardens of the villa. Although he had stated to Christian Almer that the conversation which had passed between them had been of benefit to him, he felt, now that he was alone, that there was much in it to give rise to disturbing thought and conjecture. He had not foreseen the difficulty, in social intercourse, of avoiding the subject uppermost in his mind. A morbid self-consciousness, at present in its germ, and from which he had hitherto been entirely free, seemed to unlock all roads in its direction. It was, as it were, the converging point of all matters, even the most trivial, affecting himself. Having put the seal upon his resolution with respect to Gautran's confession, he became painfully aware that he had committed himself to a line of action from which he could not now recede without laying himself open to such suspicion from friend and foe alike as might fatally injure his reputation. He was a lawyer, and he knew what powerful use he could make of such a weapon against any man, high or low. If it could be turned against another, it could be turned against himself. He must not, therefore, waver in his resolution. Only his conscience could call him to account. Well, he would reckon with that. It was a passive, not an active accuser. Gautran would seek some new locality in which he would be lost to sight. As a matter of common prudence, it was more than likely he would change his name. The suspicion which attached itself to him, and the horror with which he was regarded in the neighborhood in which he had lived, 
would compel him to fly to other pastures. In this, and in the silence of time, lay the advocate's safety, for every day that passed would weaken the fever of excitement created by the trial. After a few weeks, if it even happened that Gautran were insanely to make a public declaration of his guilt, and to add to this confession a statement that the advocate was aware of it during the trial, by whom would he be believed? Certainly not by the majority of the better classes of the people, and in the event of such a contingency he could quote with effect the poet's words, be thou chaste as ice and pure as snow thou shalt not escape calumny so much then for himself but he was more than ever anxious and ill at ease regarding christian almer the secret which his friend dared not divulge to him was evidently of the gravest import probably as terrible in its way as that which lay heavily on the advocate's soul and the profound mystery in which it was wrapped invested it with a significance so unusual, even in the advocate's varied experience of human nature, that he could not keep from brooding upon it. Was it a secret in which honor was involved? He could not bring himself to believe that Almer could be guilty of a dishonorable act. But a man might